higher than our problems. You know, cities, governments, lives are all governed and ruled by some type of authority that sets the standards, sets the laws, sets the rules. But no matter what authority we allow in our life or we live our life by, the higher authority always prevails. The lower authority will always have to submit to the higher authority, and there's no higher authority than our God. Our God is the greatest. Our God is the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says that every knee is going to bow at the name of Jesus. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that means whatever's going on in your life, it's going to bow to the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus has more power and more authority than any sickness, than any devil in your life, than any giant, than any hardship. If you plead the name of Jesus, call upon the name of Jesus, you have the highest authority in your life and in this world. And so no matter what you came here with today, Jesus wants you to leave it. Leave without it. Whether you get delivered of it, or you cast it down, or you cast your cares upon Him. Whatever situations in your life, you don't have to leave here with it the way you came. I want to leave it with Jesus. I want to lay it down at His feet. I want to lay it at the altar. Say, God, this thing's been in my life, but I'm gonna lay it. I'm gonna give it to the higher authority. I'm gonna give it to you that you handle. Hallelujah. And so, no matter what situation is. What hardship, what trial, what struggle. We are in the presence of Almighty God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We have the liberty. We've been given the power to release things and to let things go and to let God take them out of here. But we have to do the releasing. God clears the space, clears the atmosphere. We've got to be willing to lay it down. And if you are willing to, you will leave here different. You'll leave here recharged. I don't know about you, but I, I'm enjoying coming here again. And, man, I don't want to ever go through a time. I don't want to take church for granted. I want to get everything that I can when I get here. Why? Because we just never know. You just never know what tomorrow holds. And so let's not hold back. Let's leave here empty-handed but with full of God's grace and glory in our life. Amen. Man, so good to see everyone here today. Amen. To worship the Lord. Amen. We have our offering basket down here and out in the Welcome Center. If you want to drop your offering off uh, when the Lord leads you to do that. Amen. We thank you for your spacing out, your social distancing here. Amen. And thank for your help with that. Um, keep in mind that uh, every week more and more people are coming. And so uh, it really starts to... Uh, not become a problem, but we got to really start thinking about the spacing and, and seating in that. And so when you come here and take a seat, keep in mind um, that more people might want to come. And so we'll have to think of that. And uh, we're not at that limit yet, but, uh, you know, we're getting there. And so it may be next week or a few weeks, but let's keep that in mind so we can accommodate everybody that we can. Amen. Thank you for uh, participating in that. Man, we're going to continue praying for uh, our nation, our country, our, our city, our homes, our family members. 
Amen. Well, those that are connected to the body of Christ, amen. Brother Brown is still in the in the uh, uh, hospital. Surgery went well, but he's he's doing good, waiting to get out, and so we're excited about that. Brother Julio. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Hallelujah. He's still on the throne. He's still in charge. He is still healing people and delivering people. So whatever it is that you have, whatever prayer requests you have, he can still do it today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Lord. Amen. My, uh, my wife just found out this morning that her uh, grandmother passed. Uh, so keep her and the family in prayer as they deal with that. We know that God is on the throne. Amen. Every need, if we bring it to him, it's in the best hands. We try to hold on to it. We try to fix it. it it's not the best solution, but giving it to God, that's what we need to do. Amen. Amen. As we're staying, we go to the word of the Lord today. Uh, we're going to dive deep into the word of God. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was out without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Amen. I want to preach to you from this title, Leaning Towards the Light. Leaning towards the light. Turn around and wave at a few people. Man, you may be seated today. Man, I checked uh, the latest stats this morning and... Uh, COVID-19 deaths are at 89,420. Confirmed cases, people that have contracted it, are 1.5 million. And so that means that we can look at this situation two ways. You can look at the deaths, which is a tragic and terrible number. You can also look at the number of people that received, that contracted the virus and survived. 1.4 million people got the virus and 1.4, 1.5 got it and 1.4 survived. And so, yeah, our hearts go out to those that have lost, but uh, it seems to me the numbers seem that it's a, a very good uh, percentage of survival uh, if only 1.4 uh, have survived. And so we can focus on one side or the other. And no matter how you focus, what side you choose, it will give you a different perspective on things in this world. And we don't want to discard the, the losses, but um, the numbers are staggering that over 95% people that receive or, or get this virus survive. That's, that's a pretty good number. So 89,000 people have died so far since February since they started counting. 
But according to our history and our stats, during the same time period, over 243,000 abortions took place. 89,000 died of coronavirus and 243,000 abortions took place. I don't think corona is our biggest problem. I don't think that's our biggest problem because even still, uh, I think God is showing this to help get our attention to say, what do we need to do? It's not just a, it's not a physical thing, but there's something deeper down. There's a spiritual thing happening, and God's trying to get our attention uh, to turn back to him because God can take away corona tonight if, if we really turn our hearts and our minds to him. God can do what he wants, but we need to make sure we submit our will and our desire to him and that this world can turn around. I truly believe that. The proverbial phrase goes like this, is the glass half empty or half full? I think I'm entering the phase where I say, where did I put that glass? The moms see the glass on the floor and water spilled everywhere. While people can sit around and debate whether it's half full or half empty, I think that maybe we are all on the same page when it comes to a bag of chips. When you open it up, it it is most certainly half empty. The package engineering is so fascinating. The bag of chips has more PSI than the tires on my van. I mean, you can't even squeeze that thing. And you think, wow, that's the good one right there. And then it pops when you open it because all that air is out. And then you just realized that two of my $4 just vanished because there's nothing in there. But give me another 10 minutes and the other two will be gone as well. And so we toss aside that half-empty uh, a bag, and we now completely, we have an empty bag of chips. And we might make light of the glass being half full or half empty. But they actually did a study and found out that people who are optimistic can live up to 11 to 15% longer than those that are not optimistic. Of course, the pessimist would say, oh, bummer, why would you want to live longer? While that proverbial phrase might not seem to affect your life very much, It is crucial that we have the right perspective when it comes to the Word of God. Because any misconceptions or misunderstandings will have eternal consequences. Our obedience or lack thereof will determine where we will spend all of eternity. And that should be the most important thing that we focus on during these 80 years on this earth. And either we're going to get a bargain for those 80 years or you're going to get bamboozled for those 80 years. God gives us the choice. I don't know about you, but I am a certified bargain hunter. I love bargains. Anyone else a bargain hunger? Just love deals. You call me Mr. Clearance because I see the red stickers and that's just where I go. I don't see anything else. And to me, being able to take 80 years and trade them in for an eternity in heaven. 
that is a bargain. That truly is the deal of a lifetime. But when I hear it proclaimed from pulpits across this world, how all you need to do is to pull over on the side of your, uh, the road in your life and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then you're good to go and put the car and drive and to keep on going, that just sounds like one of those deals. It's just too good to be true. Over a thousand pages in the Bible, depending on which one you have. A thousand page book, and you're telling me all I have to do is say, I accept Jesus and I'm good to go. This doesn't seem like it makes uh, any sense. It's too good to be true. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a bargain believer, and so those bargains get my eye and get my attention. And as it turns out, Scripture even declares that it's going to take more than a three-second prayer to change your life around because Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And so that's more than just believe in but now we have to believe and be baptized and so the Bible says once you open it up and read it it says that we need to do a little bit more than just believe now we have to be baptized but Jesus tells us even more in John 3 and 5 Jesus answered verily verily I say unto thee except the man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God and so even more now is revealed than just believing and then just being baptized. In addition to that, Jesus tells us that we need to be born of the Spirit if we want to see the kingdom of God. And that is why the apostles went around preaching. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is made known by speaking in other tongues. But there's even more than that. There's even more than Acts 2.38. Because Hebrews tells us that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And, and Paul tells us to walk by faith and not by sight and, and to be not conformed to this world and to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. James tells us not to be a friend of this world. Can you imagine, can you see now how having the right perspective can really have an effect on how you live? And where you will spend eternity because some just see, I just got to believe. While others say, well, the scripture says a whole lot more than just believing. And so whatever viewpoint you have, that's what life you're going to walk down. That's the road you're going to walk down. And so I want to make sure I'm walking down the road of truth. I want to live my life according to the word of God because, and still with all of that, those scriptures, many, many more scriptures are there to help lead and direct our path. Still to me, after all that scripture declares we need to do, to me it's still a bargain. It's still a bargain to trade this life in, this 80 years or 40 years or, or 20 years, however long that you have given to God. It's still a bargain uh, to trade it in and to, to receive heaven in return, to receive uh, uh, the glory of God. It's still a no-brainer. It's, it's, we get the better end of the deal. God, I'll give you my 80 years and you'll give me eternity. Whatever the cost... 
it's worth it. Whatever hardships we have to go through, whatever the sacrifice, I'm here to tell you, it's going to be worth it in the end. Don't waste your breath crying and complaining of the cards that you've been dealt in this life or the hand that you've been given in this life. It is still such a good deal to give your life to God because you're going to get so much more in the end. Compared to what we go through and compared to what we receive, we have a reason to rejoice. Romans 8.18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The things that we go through in this life are not even worthy to be compared with what waits for us, with what's in heaven that God's going to give to us. And so why do we need to waste our time crying and complaining about what we have? Let's just put our eyes on what God's trying to give us, where he's trying to lead us and take us because it's so much better on the other side, such a bar bargain to me to trade this life for the one to come. That means we have a life to live for him that I'm still going to give him praise even when I don't feel like it. I'm still going to worship him even when I'm going through the hard times. Why? Because he's been too good to me already and he's going to be so much better for me in the end. Why should I stop progress now? Why should I stop going to church? Why should I stop praying and stop fasting? Because God's been too good to me and it's a bargain this life that we give to God the what we're going to get on the other side. And so for me, I'm going to keep on praising him. I'm going to keep on worshiping him no matter how dark the day gets. Having the right perspective on what is to come changes everything about our day. Changes everything about our circumstance, our hardship, our pain. I'm going to believe that God, that good is still to come. I'm going to believe that all is not lost, that our best years are not behind us, but they are ahead of us. We're moving into the greatest time of the church. We're moving into the greatest revivals that we've ever seen. That's what lies ahead. That's what I'm focusing on. That's what we're trying to reach for each and every day as we bow down in prayer and say, God, help me, Lord, to see where you want us to go and to experience what it is that you have for us because the best is yet to come. We still have good, more goodness coming our way and that's how I choose to view it. And if that's the glass is half full, then that's how it is. Mark 4, 35, in the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, when Jesus says, we're going to the other side, let us go over to the other side, when you hear that, what do you think about? Does it ever cross your mind that you're not going to make it to the other side? That you're going to die a tragic death, some freak accident in the middle of the lake? The Loch Ness Monster is going to come up out of the deep and it's only going to take you and leave everybody else. And so they can make it across. Even though Jesus said, let us all go across, you say, okay, go on without me, guys. 
When Jesus says we're going across to the other side, what he was really saying was, everyone but you is going to make it. As crazy as that sounds, don't some people kind of think that? Immediately, just we just all we see is the doom and gloom that's lying ahead. And, and that's how some people see what is coming, doom and gloom and darkness and despair. While there may be legitimate reasons to arrive at those dark destinies, that is not how I am going to believe. That is not how I choose to see. I believe that my day is not going to end with darkness, but it's going to end with light. And even though we may be going through some dark times, I choose to believe that under the other side of this present darkness, there is some light over there. There's some light on the other side. There's something good that is waiting for us, something that we can't even put into words And that's what I'm looking for. I'm not going to get stuck in the darkness that's before us. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Do you love God? Has God called you? Does he have a purpose and a plan for your life? Then somehow, some way it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to, but all the things are going to work out and they're going to work together for the good. My situation right now may not look good, but that's only because I'm looking it through with my natural eyes. I'm only seeing from one perspective. I I can't see everything. I can't see what tomorrow holds. I can't see what the end looked like. But I have to believe that the end, the finish line, is not going to be dark like it is now. But that's going to work out somehow. And that we're going to get through it and we're going to see light on the other side. All God is trying to do is to change our perspective. In verse 36, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, uh, and there also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on the pillow. And they awake him, saying, And a master, carest not that thou we perish? He arose, he rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And He said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Jesus says, why do you have such little faith? He said that because earlier in the day, Jesus was at Peter's house. And he healed his mother-in-law from a fever. He rebuked that fever and she woke up and she was doing immediately much better. But then the whole town brought all the sick people. And the Bible says that Jesus healed every single sick person that was in the town. And they were there with him. And amazingly, all those miracles were done right in front of the eyes of the disciples. And then Jesus tells them to get in the boat and go on the other side and Jesus being God and knowing all things, he must have known that this storm was going to happen. That this is why he brought his pillow with him. He knows he needed to get some shut eye. And if I was going to take a nap on a boat ride, I would make sure that that would be smooth sailing the whole way. Not a storm that would nearly sink the ship. So there must have been a purpose for this storm if Jesus brought his pillow. And so there was something that Jesus 
was trying to teach his disciples, and that was, as long as Jesus is with you, you're going to make it. As long as he's with you, you're going to be all right. You're going to make it to the other side. If Jesus is in your boat with you, you're going to get to the other side. You're going to pass through the darkness. Your day is not going to end in darkness, but it will end in light. It may not be the smoothest ride, and the seas might be choppy a little bit, and you might take on some water, but you're going to make it. Why? Because Jesus is with you. He's in your boat, and if you don't have him, you need to find him and get him in your boat to get through the storms in your life. I wonder how long it took for the disciples to turn their attention to find Jesus. I say that because most of them were fishermen. Most of them grew up on that, that sea that they, were, that they were sailing through. They knew that like the back of their hand. And so they were used to the open seas. They were used to storms growing up as fishermen. You experienced a lot of storms. And so somebody finally said, where's Jesus? Because uh, we can't handle this anymore. And somebody go get Jesus. And once their perspective changed, once they realized that I can't do it on my own, that we need to find Jesus, we need to get the right perspective, we need to see what Jesus wants us to see. We may not have the faith to calm the storm, but I've got enough faith to say, where's Jesus at? I have just a little bit of a mustard seed of faith left. I can use that to say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, come to me. Jesus, calm the storm in my life. And that's really all the faith that you need. We can just get to Jesus. As long as we're with him, we're going to be okay. As long as he's in our boat, we're going to make it to the other side. But once I take my eyes off the storm and turn them to Jesus, our perspective changes. And my situation can easily turn around because we just need to pray uh, to, to get the right perspective and to find Jesus. And if that's all the faith that we have, it's enough to get us to Jesus. How can anything with Jesus end with darkness and despair? How can anything with the Lord end in such a dark way? He is our light. He is our hope. He is our joy. He is our life. He is our peace. He is our healing. He is our salvation. If it ends with darkness, uh, then it can't be of God. Then, then it's not. you're not at the final resting place. You're not at the finish line because uh, with God, everything's going to end up good. Everything's going to end up in the light. And, and yet that's how the disciples saw their future, dark and grim. Now, my past might be dark and grim, and the current conditions of this world might be dark and grim, but I refuse to believe that my future, that's your future, that the church's future is going to end in darkness. It's not, it's not going to happen. I believe that our days are going to end with light and with joy and with peace and with greatness and gladness and the joy of the Lord. I believe that that's what the end is going to be. That's what's waiting for us on the other side. It's not going to end with darkness. Is that some kind of blind faith that you have, Pastor? No, that's the word of God. 
Time tells us and the word of God tells us and shows us time and time again that our future is bright, that our tomorrow is not dark, but it is full of hope. Our text says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God said, let there be light. There was light, and God saw the light. It was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Notice how the earth started out. It started in darkness. It started being without form and void. It it started being empty, but then... God brought the light, and it seems to me that things are starting to look up for the earth, that earth has a bright future now because now the Spirit of God moved and light came, and, 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 and the things are looking up for the world, and, and we're only on the first page of the Bible. We started without form. What started without form started to take shape. What was empty and void started to be filled with purpose and a passion. What started out in darkness did not end with darkness. It ended with light. And how much does the first verses of the Bible describe your past and describe your life without God? We were walking around in darkness and we really couldn't see where we were going. We, we really didn't have a form. We were still seeking our calling, our purpose in this life. And our, our life was void of true happiness and we had no peace. We had no joy. But then, but then one day, the Spirit of God began to move in our life. We felt a drawing to come to a certain place. We felt a drawing to get to our knees in prayer and that was the spirit of God moving in our life and then all of a sudden light came in and separated the light from the darkness and then all of a sudden now we can start seeing things more clearly and our life begins to take on some shape and it started leaning towards the light now now I can see hope where I used to never see hope now I can seek a calling and a purpose where I couldn't understand what the the purpose of my life was now where I was void and empty now I'm not lacking. Now I have joy evermore. Now I have love. Now I have the peace that passes all understanding. Now I have rivers of living water flowing out of me. Now I have been filled. And all that I have that I need is found through the Spirit of God. My life might have started in darkness. But it's not going to end that way because I'm headed towards the light. I'm leaning towards the light. I used to live in darkness, but not any longer. Now that God showed up, things are starting to look up. Things are starting to look clearer. And uh, the revelation, I'm starting to see that things are going to end not in darkness, but in light. The darkness is behind me, and all I see in my future is light. Musicians, if you would come. Verse 5, Genesis 1, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Notice here how God constructed the day. 
the evening and the morning made a day. So evening would start the day and the morning and the afternoon would end the day. This is how the Hebrews view a day even now. The evening starts the day. And the morning and the afternoon end the day. And so when the sun goes down, the next day is beginning. And so their day always ends with light. The darkness comes first, but then the morning comes. And once the morning and the light has had its time, then the day is finally over. And how do, how do we view our day? 12.01 a.m. starts our day, darkness. 11.59 p.m. ends our day, darkness. The way that we view our days begins with darkness. We get a little light in the middle, and then we end our day in darkness. And and. I'm not here trying to advocate that we change our calendar to align with the Jewish calendar. But maybe we can just borrow their thinking for a little bit. And how they view their days. And maybe we can start leaning towards the light a little bit more. And boldly declare that my day is not going to end with darkness, but it's going to end with the light shining brighter than ever before. My day is not going to end with me unable to see and looking down trying to find my way through this life. No, my day is going to end with me looking up at the sun, with me leaning towards the light and, and having a clear view of where I'm walking, of where I'm stepping, of where I'm going, and that is up. I'm going to be looking up for the light that is forward I'm going to be looking ahead that to a better place to a place of glory headed towards glory it may have started out a little bit rough but it's not going to end that way because our day is going to end when the light it may have began in darkness but that's not how it's going to end like that because it's going to end with the day the light is going to have its last say my day and my life may have periods of darkness, but light is going to have the final say in my life. Light will always have its time too, and my day, I choose for my day to end with light. Will you stand with me today? The greatest darkness that mankind will face and probably what people fear the most is the darkness that death brings. We can overcome a lot of things. We can persevere and we can push through trials and hardships. But death, from what we've seen and what we know, isn't something that you really come back from. It's not just another hill or a mountain that we can climb over. But what we've seen in regards to humanity is that death is final. Unless 
Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And so I'm here to tell you today that even death does not have the final say. Even the darkness that death brings does not have the final say. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? My day is not going to end with darkness. My day is going to end with light because the light is coming. The light of the world is coming. My hope is coming. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I'm not going to be afraid. I will not fear because I know that this is not the end. It can't be the end. It can't be the end because it's still dark. Only when it's light can I truly say this must be the end for me. Because my day is going to end with a light. Bible declares that once Jesus comes and we go to him and be with him in the place, it says that there's not even going to be a sun there because the light is going to just emanate from God. And it also says there's not going to be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. That's the ending. That's the ultimate ending and that ends with light and that ends with joy and happiness and peace. Yeah, darkness will come and darkness will do its thing but, and it will bring hopelessness in your home and try to bring despair into your life and try to bring heartache and pain. I'm not saying it won't be easy. I'm not saying that there won't be a struggle. I'm not saying that there won't be any pain. But what I am saying is that that's the only, only the first half of your day. That's the evening part. We still have another half of the day coming, and that is light, and light is coming. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. No matter how dark the darkness gets, joy is always coming. The light is always coming. The, the, the morning is always coming. Hope is on its way. Joy is coming. It's not, this situation is not final because light is coming. Micah 7, 8 says, rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. When I fall, I'm not staying down there. I may have fallen, but that's not where I'm going to stay. I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, that's not the end for me. The Lord is going to come. The light is going to come and be a light unto me. Why? The light has the final say. Light will be the end of my day. No need to fear. No need to worry. There's coming a day where there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow. And that is where we're headed, where things are looking up. Can we worship the Lord together? Can we rejoice? We have a reason to rejoice. We're not going to settle. We're going to lift up our hands, our voices to Him. Come on, let's cry out to Him. Come on, this is not our end. This is just a time of faith. The light is coming. Hope is coming. Joy is coming in the morning. Come on, let's worship Him together. Glory on every 
worship We need to get him. Get a hold of Jesus. We worship you. We lift our hands. We darkness.
our final destination is full of light. We're not going to settle for this. If you can still feel pain and sorrow, why settle for that when there's a place where there's no pain and sorrow? The Bible also declares that even the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light. And so if you're not praying and if you're not fasting, if you're not reading the word of God, if you're not connected to God, how are you going to be able to discern if this is an angel of light or this is the devil, a wolf in sheep's clothing? So in order to lean towards the light, you're going to have to find God, find him every day in your life and prayer and your devotion and connection to God because... Again, we need him in our boat. Just because just because we obeyed Acts 2.38 20 years ago and Jesus jumped in our boat back then doesn't mean he's in our boat right now. We could be going off on some other course, chasing our own kingdom, our own will, our wants. But if we humble ourselves every day and say, God, I'm not driving. This is not my kingdom, not my world. Get him in our life. Then we can lean towards the darkness and we can end with the light. Amen. I'm glad our day does not end in darkness, but it ends in light. Amen. Let's go forth and let's be the light in this world, in this time of darkness. God bless you all. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name.